0: What's up, listeners? Million here with you. Dominion Fire 360 is on today, we're talking about the topic of spiritual fathers and sons and that certain paradigm that exists in the church among many, uh, many churches, many ministries, many leadership organizations. And my guest today is joining me from Brazil. Bom dia, is uh, Jonathan Brenneman, a previous guest on the Heal the Sick podcast, and is joining us today. And the reason that I reached out to him is that he had posted a couple weeks ago. Uh, about this topic where he was just mentioning some things that had happened and talking about the topic of spiritual fathers and sons and how um, abuse does come out of that and how that, that paradigm is sort of leading people in a direction that we don't need to go. So first off, Jonathan, welcome to 360. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank
0: you. Before we break down um, like kind of the issues that you have and what you want to talk about, when we say that there's a paradigm of spiritual fathers and spiritual sons, could you just define that for us before we really dig in?
1: There's a, a big range of teaching on the subject, but it's basically the idea that the model for the way God's kingdom works is spiritual fathers and spiritual sons in God's kingdom. And that generally supposes that older believers or pastors are spiritual fathers
0: and younger disciples are the spiritual sons. For clarity's sake, when you get saved in a particular church and maybe you're friendly with the pastor and his wife and you say, well, oh, my pastor is my spiritual father and his wife's my spiritual mother. Is that kind of what we're talking about? Does that fall into that category?
1: Yes, exactly. And, and there's, um, there's some limited truth um, to older believers being like fathers in the Lord. But it's not the script, the, it's not the paradigm that scripture lays down. And we kind of run into some trouble when we start to think of it as the model <laughs> by which we need to
0: grow in the Lord. Well, uh, and to preview it now, you wrote a book, which is called Are You My Spiritual Father, where you break this down. So clearly, this is something that is, stands out to you and and sort of is something you need to speak on. So starting at the beginning, kind of break it down for us. What are you seeing? What's the problem? What are the abuses that you're maybe witnessing? What? Give us a full rundown on this.
1: Sure. Um, the first chapter of the book talks about it's a short chapter, just a few pages, because there actually aren't that many instances of father and son language in the New Testament. But there are um, a few different passages. I think I used every single one of them in the first chapter. Um, for example, the Apostle John in first, um John chapter 2 says, I write unto you little children, I write unto you fathers, I write unto you young men. So it's he's kind of describing different places that we're at in our life with the world with the Lord. And um yeah, elders in the body of Christ are like fathers in some ways because they know the Lord and his faithfulness. Um they don't get upset so easily by little things like children. They're they're calmer. Um fathers have made more mistakes and learned from them. <laughs> so th- there are some ways that um that leaders are like fathers in the Lord. They they, they care for the well-being of the younger ones. Um, So there's a few places we see that. One of the most notable is 1 Corinthians 4.15. Paul said, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I've begotten you through the gospel. Okay, and um, we also see... um, a few other places where, for example, Paul calls Titus and I think of Philemon his son each once, and he called Timothy his son a few different times. Um, so that's that's a basis for the the teaching about fathers and sons. The problem is that if we don't read the Bible for ourselves. Um, We can listen to people teaching more than we're actually reading the scripture. And we gain a perception of great emphasis on something that's actually a minor point in scripture. Um, And I started to notice how our language and just in the church culture and a lot of church cultures sounded so different than the language of scripture. (laughs) And there's this one um, scripture in Matthew 23, and this is a foundational scripture. And I think that, you know, Paul's teaching is based on Christ, and and Christ said, "Don't call anyone here on earth father, because you only have one father in heaven, and nor should you be called leader, because your one and only leader is the Messiah." So uh, Jesus is clearly warning us about something in Matthew 23, and if you Look through scripture, um, there's about 20 different references, say, where the Apostle Paul or other apostles who wrote the epistles um, use language such as um, brothers, uh, friends, and co laborers when they're talking to the churches and, and even young disciples. About 20 instances of that kind of language for every single instance of this father son language. Um, Also, it's notable that Jesus didn't call his disciples his spiritual sons. Um, He never expected his own disciples to call him their spiritual father. But Jesus said, I go to my father and your father. The Bible says that Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers. And so um, we see repeatedly in the Gospels and in other scriptures that Jesus himself relates to us not as our spiritual father, but as a brother. And there's repeated language of equality that Jesus uses when he's um, talking to his disciples, such as brothers, friends, uh, mothers, and sisters. So that's the kind of language that even Jesus himself used. Um, So we need to bring this thing into balance and and, and kind of understand that this spiritual father thing is a limited truth, but um, we can't ignore
0: Jesus' warning. When you say that you see this and you see abuses or you see people misusing something like this, what are you seeing?
1: Okay, there's a big spectrum of teaching on this, and the most extreme, which there's a lot of places that are embracing this kind of teaching, is basically putting a human spiritual father in in every place that the Lord himself can occupy. I talked about some of the ways that teaching does that in my book, but um for example. There's people teaching that you get your inheritance in Christ through your spiritual father, that you get your commission and your release to to ministry only through your spiritual father, um, that you find your identity through your spiritual father, um, etc. So what that does at the most extreme end of the spectrum is it basically puts a human as a mediator between you and God, right? And the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot of other teaching on this that's more from a good intentioned, Um, It's more good intention. It's not intended to control. And in that case, I, I wouldn't call it out as, as dangerous as the, the more extreme end of the teaching. Um, and, and I understand the heart. A lot of these people are people that I love, I respect. I'm not like bashing them, but honestly, I still see this as a little different. Um, Because even when we're not intending to control people like this, young believers need to learn to look to the Lord himself as their father. And just talking about the language we hear in, in conversation in Christian circles, and I hear a lot of people saying, This person is my spiritual father. That person is my spiritual father. Even though Paul um, did use this um, affectionate father language in a few instances, he never expected any of the churches or any of the believers to call him his spiritual father. In fact, there's there's very little difference between a person saying, you're my spiritual father or, or Paul is my spiritual father and I follow Paul. And Paul was actually upset by that kind of behavior among the Corinthians because some people were saying, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, <laughs> I follow Christ. And Paul said, Was, 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 um, was I crucified for you? <laughs> no, of, of course I wasn't. So um, Paul didn't want the believers to look to him as their spiritual father, he wanted them to look to Christ. And so we see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of references in Scripture to God himself as their father. There's more than 120 just in the book of John. And when I hear Christians talking more about a human as their spiritual father than God as their spiritual father, something is wrong. Uh, part of that is it actually sets us up to um, that person. And now and leaders, um, we're to imitate them as they imitate Christ. You know, that's true. But leaders also make mistakes. Just in my own life, I've learned from so many people. And a lot of the people that I learned something from, they taught me the wrong thing and something else. And the Lord had to use another person to correct me in that area. Now, if I was just looking to one person as my spiritual father or or my leader, um, I would tend to go into all the areas um, where they made mistakes. and I would tend to also imitate those mistakes. That's why I, I I like the idea of um, saying we have fathers in the Lord, but it's the Lord himself who's our father. Um, he's the one himself who who leads us into truth. And so um, I've just seen this paradigm creates a lot of frustration. Um, people find their identity in the wrong place. And w- one thing, I, there is a young guy that I was kind of mentoring and a pastor said, you, you love John, don't you? He's like your daddy. He's like your spiritual daddy. This guy th- th- and this young guy said, "My daddy? No, John's my brother. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you know." And you know it's right because what I want for these young guys, I want them to have such a relationship with the Lord that even if I would go off the deep end and reject my faith <laughs> and turn my back on them, um, that their relationship with Christ would be intact. You know, and a lot of the reason that we see. All these people turning away from the Lord when a, a leader stumbles is because they've been taught to build their faith on that leader more than they have in Christ. You know? It also creates um a, a parent uh uh just a dynamic where it's difficult to relate. You come into a it's difficult to have mutuality because you come into a group and there's this guy, he's the apostle, and then there's this person that considers himself that apostle's spiritual son. And As soon as you come into this group, he considers himself, well, I'm this apostle's spiritual son, so I must be your spiritual father. (laughs) So there's not that two-way relationship of being able to learn from each other in Christ. There's not that mutuality. And it ends up destroying the paradigm that Jesus actually did lay down, that that we're all brothers and we have one father.
0: It's funny that you say that because I know with, we don't here at Dominion Fire, don't run a church proper, but we have uh, like resources and media and we do some local meetings with some people. And it's funny how as time has gone on and people come and go, they, someone come up like, Million, I have somebody that needs to be baptized. When can you do it? And I'm like, uh you go do it. (laughs) I showed you what to do. (laughs) Don't turn to me. Or or so-and-so, this family needs prayer. When can you call them? I'm like, uh, I showed you how to do it. Why don't you go? And I just think it's that, and and something my wife actually said a while back. She said, people like to outsource their faith to their senior pastor to do all this kind of stuff. And it's unfortunate that that's sort of the byproduct of this. And I, I guess something that sort of bothers me that I hear people say is they'll say something like, well, uh, you know, I, I need prayer for healing, but only my pastor can lay hands on me or only my pastor is the one I submit any authority to. I'm under his authority and I do what he says. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? For And for the same reasons that you just outlined a couple of minutes ago, because you see, you know, unfortunately, pastors have a very rough job. They they run themselves into the ground in many occasions managing you know all five folds of the ministry by themselves, and they you know they 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 are under a lot of pressure, and many of them go off the rails at times and takes a whole congregation with it. You see it over and over and over again, so when people say something like that that you know I submit to my pastor's authority is that that's in that same ballpark right
1: yeah, and actually something else that Jesus said. Um, he prohibited, Jesus literally prohibited his disciples from exercising authority over each other. <laughs> that's exactly literally what he said. Um, and so there there is no hierarchy of authority between the individual believer and in God. There's been a lot of confusion that's come in the church around the area. This uh, The book on spiritual fathers is actually um, a chapter of a larger book called I Am Persuaded. That deals with every instance of um, these places where we get confused, because if we looked in the Greek, the New Testament actually uses a completely different set of language when talking about the church than it does about secular authorities. And actually, we we see a bit of um, there's words can be translated in different ways, but a lot of it. Um, Depends on the context and the paradigm. Now, the context that Jesus laid down for the church is that the greatest are the servants, and that we are all brothers, and that we might not that we should not exercise authority over each other. Now, just an example, there's this word proistemy in the New Testament, and it means to stand before. And so the translators of the King James um with their political paradigm that was actually the way jesus said it should not be among us they interpreted to stand before others as to rule them and so that's how they translated that um but in another place there's a noun form of the same verb and it's kind of like we have the the noun water and the verb to water so it's basically the same word and this is in romans 16 2 and there's a lady named phoebe And they translated this, a helper. (laughs) This is someone who stands before others, you know. And so you can see how it's the same word, but in one place they made it a ruler, in another place they made it a helper. But maybe if they were um, translating in accordance with the paradigm that Jesus laid down earlier in scripture, they would have translated it more consistently as one who serves others by standing before them, you know. But the leaders are they're they're meant to help us to grow in Christ, to equip us for the work of ministry. Um they're uh meant to be an example to us. Um but they're to teach us to walk in Christ and they're to teach us to do this stuff. <laughs> there there is no hierarchy of authority between them and uh, between um between us and God. Actually the word pastor, there is one place where scripture uses the pa- the word pastor in the new testament in reference to human leaders one place in the new testament it's in ephesians and it's in the plural um which shows it's not just looking to one pastor but it's just um there there are these people you know and and they help to guide us and help us to grow in the lord it's not just looking to one person it's in the plural and for that one place there is a ele- there are 11 places in the new testament where scripture speaks of jesus as our pastor okay Sometimes we just don't see that in our English translation because the word pastor and shepherd are the same in the Greek. Um, so there's actually a lot more emphasis on Jesus himself as our pastor um, than on any single human leader.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate that, you know, that it's like a human experience or human condition thing where there's just people that really enjoy having control. And there's people who really can only seem to thrive when they're under control. And I think that's a little too prevalent in in the body, just my personal opinion. And definitely true about what you're saying with, with the Greek. It's funny because you could have, in a lot of cases, a, a series of words. And depending on the tense that you translated with, you can get two different statements, but it's a, it, the correct translation. It just all depends on which tense you're going with. So it's, uh, um, unfortunately, I think that a lot of... Uh, Thing, a lot of things we see seeing in Christianity is just the superficial skin deep, and there's just not that looking deeply into stuff, because I, I guess people think it's like a disobedience if you question something or if you just want more information. Again, if my pastor says to stop here, then I'm not going to go any further. And again, it's just like that vicious cycle that just keeps happening over and over again. So what do you suggest if there's somebody listening that's in that and maybe they're starting to question, how do we red pill somebody out of this? What What do you suggest that people start doing here?
1: I'd suggest studying and getting the answers to your questions because there's lots of questions that people have and there are answers. Um, one of the things I talked about in my book about even where there is that father and son language um, and there's a limited truth, but it's not a paradigm. One of the things people don't understand is. I've been in a lot of countries, and um, the old ladies, uh, in, for instance, in Russia, they call me their son. Um, children call me their uncle, right? And and here in Brazil, it's so common to use the words father uh, or to use the word son and daughter affectionately that my own wife, who is Brazilian, calls her father my son and calls her mother my daughter. It's affectionate language. It's not laying down a paradigm. And if we took that literally, for instance, in um, 1 Thessalonians 2, there in that chapter, there are four different instances where Paul uses the word brothers, 1 Thessalonians 2. Then the, he also um, talks about, he uses father language. He also uses mother language. <laughs> he talks as if he was their mother in that chapter. So four instances of brother language, one instance of father language one instance of mother language and then he talks as if he were their, chi- their child because he says to the Thessalonians that we uh, were made orphans by being separate from you as if the Thessalonians were his parents so obviously if we're taking that language um, literally and trying to create a paradigm of it there's a lot of contradictions it's either brother their father their mother or their child <laughs> so um there there are answers uh to these things and if you have a, a confusion or or upset about some things that that's why i wrote these books that's why i wrote these books um but you know you can also you know talk to people if you have questions um you could send me a message if you have a question about something uh, i might have a blog post about it already that'll give you a link to but Yeah, if you have confusion in these areas, seek out the answers, because there are answers.
0: You know, it's funny, just while it's sort of off to the side of the subject, but I, I sort of get a laugh when like, once in a while we'll visit maybe a church or a ministry somewhere, and they recognize that whole brother, sister thing, but they call everybody by that title. They're like, oh, look, Brother Million here with his sister, his uh, his wife, Sister Lynn. And they're like, hey, look, we're talking to, to Brother Jonathan. I'm like, all right, can we stop the brother and sister title thing? I mean, if we're all brother and sister, <laughs> shouldn't it just be implied? You don't have to say it every time. You know what I mean? It's like, and suddenly now I have sister wives, and it's like, let's not even go into that territory. I'm like, what? <laughs> what, what, huh? Or like, sometimes I'll see like uh, a young mother, she has a daughter. And like the daughter's crying, she'll pick her up and she'll say, oh, come here, mommy. And I'm like, oh, mommy, where, where'd that come from? You know, that always like always threw me to. So it's <laughs> funny that you mention all those different things. But I guess we could just simplify it down by saying we're, we're all in the family. Can we just like <laughs> can we stop complicating things, please? Mm-hmm. So, Jonathan, if um, somebody would like to find your book, uh, what's the title? Where can they find it and give us like a quick uh, synopsis of it?
1: Yeah, The Spiritual Fathers is a 99 cent ebook. Uh you can find it on Amazon. That one you can also find on iTunes, Kobo, just about anywhere. Um it's about 10,000 words. That just deals with the spiritual fathers and sons question. It's a uh, just a 99 cent uh cheap ebook. Um the longer book, I am persuaded, which the Spiritual Fathers book is actually a long chapter from uh, the longer book is uh, just on Amazon. You can find it there in paperback or, uh, or Kindle version. Uh, that goes into great detail about the authority issue. And it basically lays down that the translations might be confusing in a lot of different ways, but it makes a strong case that the paradigm for how we relate to each other is that Uh, The greatest among us will be the servant of all, that we're all brothers, and we have one father, we're all students, and we have one teacher, and there is no hierarchy of authority between the individual believer and God. We are all as believers directly under God's authority. That doesn't mean that we um, don't do discipleship, that we don't have mentors, um, that we don't have healthy relationships with people we learn from. Um, but that it is primarily Jesus Himself who is our pastor, uh, who and uh, who is our leader. <laughs> so Holy Spirit is our teacher, and God Himself, um, who is our Father, and we need to look primarily to them. And the leaders of the the roles of human leaders are only secondary roles.
0: And if people would like to contact you, email you, is there a website, email, social media? How could they find you?
1: Yeah, um, Jonathan at gotoheavennow.com.
0: Jonathan, I want to thank you for being here today with us. I, I know this is sort of like a little different topic than we normally cover at 360, but it was uh, just one of those things that kind of it stood out to me the moment I saw it. So thank you for being here and for uh, breaking this down for us. And before we go, give us a quick preview of the next book you have coming out.
1: Uh, the next book I have coming out is a reexamination of the subject of Needless Casualties of War. Now, um, in the 1990s, a big issue began to emerge. There's a spiritual warfare movement and people began uh, attempting assaults against regional principalities. And a lot of people got devastated by crazy demonic attacks, spiritual attack. Um, Now, in the midst of that, a book came out called Needless Casualties of War. And the conclusion of the book was basically that Christians only have authority over demons on an earth level and that um, principalities are outside our realm of authority. They're in a different place. And so a lot of people, um, that, that book had quite a big influence. Now, I initially accepted the premise of that book and figured it was a much needed correction in my life. But there were just some... Um, too many scriptural inconsistencies and, and problems, so after uh, years of praying for countries and, and missions and, and just seeing these things, I did a re-examination of the premise of that book, and there is some wisdom in it um, as far as avoiding getting hurt. <laughs> but I disagree with the main premise, and it doesn't mean that we dishonor the author, um, you know or the, the body of Christ we're learning together, we're growing up in all things into Christ, and we build on, we we learn from the people who went before us, you know, we learn from what they got right and their mistakes. So it doesn't mean I'm dishonoring the the person who wrote that book before, but I believe the people who do read my book will see that there are very serious problems with trying to um, embrace a paradigm that says we only have authority over some of Satan's power. I do believe we have authority over all the power of the enemy. And there's some other things that I've learned that really are reasons that people do get hurt and do become needless casualties of war. But I don't believe that the problem is stepping outside of realm of authority.
0: And when can we expect that book to be out?
1: Probably in about a week
0: from now. <laughs> all right, so early September 2017, depending on when they listen to this.
1: Probably late this month, actually.
0: (laughs) Okay. End of summer 2017, depending on when you're listening to this. All right. And once again, Jonathan Brenneman, thank you so much for joining us today. And you be well. And listeners, we will see you next time here on Dominion Fire 360. Boom goes Yeshua. Have a great day.